welcome to The Connected Podcast. This is Lydia, Hannah and Simon. We're three friends from the UK and beyond discussing how the Bible connects to life as a teen today. Stick around for banter, Bible talk, topics you want to hear about, people you can relate to and plenty of fun and random shenanigans. But for real, we want you to be equipped with biblical truth and boldness to go out in the world and be grounded in your faith. You'll notice that Daryl is away yet again, which is so sad. Um, he's probably jumping out of an airplane into the sands of Qatar or something dramatic like that. Or maybe he's just studying for uni. Who knows? Um, but go ahead and say hello to him on our social media. and Tell him a joke or yeah, say something that, that makes him think you're very weird. He'll enjoy that. Um, but for now, um, open up your Bible or your Bible app to James chapter 2 and verse 14. We're going to be going through another passage of the book of James because it is a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. And follow along with us as we read. And maybe you can even write down some of your own observations in a notes app on your phone or a journal. Um, So we're going to remember, go through our three questions as we study God's word. What does it say? What does it mean? What is God saying to me? Um, So first, we're going to jump into what does it say? But Simon is going to give us our observation tip for this week. What do you have for us, Simon? Okay, so observation tip of the week is this. If a passage mentions uh, other people or characters, look up their stories in the Bible and read them. One of the most important things about Bible reading is context. And you've heard us mention that so many times already on this podcast. So it's good to know the context of those stories in the passage you're reading. And the reason why that's important is because it reminds us how the whole Bible is connected uh, and how it's all one unfolding story. So the Old Testament and the New Testament are all part of God's big redemption plan. So that is your observation tip of the week. Thank you, Simon. So with that in mind, um, let's go ahead and read our passage for this week, starting in James chapter 2 and verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also our faith apart from works is dead. 
that is the end of our passage for today. That was reading from the English Standard Version. Now, there are a number of good questions to ask when we go through the what does it say or the observation part of our Bible study. And we've gone through those in past weeks and you can find them on our social media. But for the time sake this week, um, we're just going to go through and mention some of the things that popped out to us when we were first reading the scripture. So you can go ahead and look at the full list on social media and go through that yourselves if you'd like. Go ahead and pause that just now and do that. Um, but if not, yeah, we can go ahead and listen to our observations. Simon, why don't you kick us off with that, please? Sure. When we first looked at this passage, it seems like there's a lot of contradictions. For example, if you just look at verse 24, and we can read that again, it says, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And straight away we think, well, surely that contradicts other passages of Scripture. Yeah, and another observation uh, that we could notice here is that there are mentions of people from another part of the Bible. Um, these people are in the Old Testament. They were real people. Their stories really did happen. Um, and we hope you've had a chance to look at the passages that we gave you at the end of last week's episode. Uh, but if not, don't worry, you can go ahead and pause this right now and go ahead and go read Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 22, and then also Joshua chapter 2 and a few verses from Joshua chapter 6, verses 22 to 25. We really want you to read these so you can know their stories in the context of this passage, because we just don't have time on the episode to read through all of these verses here. So go and read them for yourself. And we have the same repeating words and phrases that we mentioned last week as well. So uh, you'll see words uh, like faith, works, justified and dead coming up several times through the passage. And another observation thing that we noticed was that a lot of these words probably need some definition. Um, if you remember, one of our observation tips before was to make note of any words that you didn't know what they mean. Um, and so if I was writing down some of these words that I would want to be defined for me, I would have written down probably faith, uh, justified or justification, and righteousness. Those are all words that I want to know a bit more about. Another thing you can do when you are going through your observation part of the Bible study is write down things that, that make you feel a certain way. And for me, when I when I saw this, I saw that the phrase friend of God made me feel excited and I wanted to know more about that. So if there's a phrase like that in this passage that makes you excited or maybe sad or really feel any certain way, write it down and look into more about that, that part. Um, so we hope you've written down your observations and now we're going to jump ahead to the next part of our Bible study. So we've done what does it say and now let's go into what does it mean. First of all, let's go into some of those definitions that Hannah mentioned. Um, do you want to jump into that for us please, Hannah? Yes, so I love words and definitions, so this is always really fun for me, um, and I hope there's some more word nerds out there that would enjoy this as well. So um, last week, we looked at faith and a definition for that, so let's just review that. We looked at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, to get a general definition of faith, and we said that saving faith um, could really be described as living and the reality of what Jesus has done for us. So living in that reality that your sins are forgiven because of what Jesus has done for you and his life and death and, and him coming back to life as well. 
Um, so that's what we said saving faith was. Um, and then let's move on to some of those other words that we mentioned up in the observation bit. So we also said that it'd be good to define what justified and what righteousness or righteous means. So if we look at justified, justified is really a legal term. Maybe you've heard it before that justified is just as if I'd never said. Um, I know that was something I heard a lot as a kid and it's pretty, pretty much true. Um, it's made, it's to be made right with God. Um, so imagine you're in a courtroom, right? And you have done something wrong, whatever it is, whether it's a traffic violation or you've murdered someone, we'll go on a big scale there. Um, but instead of having to pay the fine or having to go to jail, you are declared innocent and said, you have no penalty to pay, no jail time. You walk away totally free. That's essentially the idea of justified, but it goes a bit further, um, especially in the Bible, because the judge himself would not be just if he just allowed you to walk away with no punishment and you had done something wrong, whether it was a traffic violation or murdering someone and you just got off free. That would be a bad judge if he just let you go. But you and I are justified and when it comes to our sin. If God just um, let us go when even though we have all sins, the Bible says we've all fallen short of God's glory. None of us can measure up to him. But if he just let us come into heaven without any penalty or punishment, then he wouldn't be just. He wouldn't be good. He wouldn't be a good judge. So the only way you and I can be justified to be made right with God, as we said the term was, is through Jesus. You're in that courtroom. You know you've done something wrong many times over and that you would be rightly sentenced to have to pay the penalty for the wrong things you've done. And yet Jesus steps forward to take your punishment. He's the one who takes your place instead. So when you're saved, you're trusting that Jesus made you right before God by taking your punishment instead, by taking your place. This is what justified means. Um, so it's really being made right with God because of what Jesus has done for you. But it's not enough to just be justified. We need something more than that as well. And that is righteousness. We need to be made right in the eyes of God. And it's not just for your sin to be taken away, but it's to possess all the goodness of God. So if we think of justified as being what's been taken away from us, so being made right with God, we can think of righteousness as being what's given to us. It's about what we have now because of what Jesus has done. Uh, an interesting illustration we heard and, and thought of is out there for all you math people out here. So if it makes no, so if it makes no sense to you, then don't worry. Math is difficult for me as well. Um, but imagine if, if you can, the measure of God's goodness, right? And we've got a line. And if you're in math, you know that a line with an arrow going means it goes on for, for infinity. So God's goodness is a line that's infinity positive, positive infinity. It goes on and on and on and has no end to it. But if we imagine on the other side of the scale, the negative infinity scale, where it's going on and on and on in the negative direction, that's us in our sin. Now, when we are justified, it's as if our sin was taken away and that would be, and if that was it, we would be at the zero on the scale. So we'd 
stop going negative infinity and we'd be brought up to neutral, brought up to zero. But we need to have something more than that. And God says that when he gives us his righteousness, that we are then given the positive infinity, just like God, that instead of just being neutral and not having sin, but also not having any goodness or anything in us, that we are now going positively infinity on on the righteousness scale, just like God. I hope that illustration made some sense to you. It is a bit maybe confusing, but it does help if you can picture it to see how God has given us something that is of infinite value. He's given us his goodness and righteousness, essentially. It's about not just what has been taken from us, the penalty of our sin, but it's about what we've been given, the goodness of God or the righteousness of God. Thanks so much, Hannah. Those definitions are really, really helpful. Um, And with those things in mind, with what it really means to have faith and righteousness and justification, let's jump in. Let's jump into verse 20. So to remember a little bit from last week, from starting in verse 14, James gave us two examples of what saving faith is not. And this week, starting in verse 20, we're going to look at two examples of what saving faith is. So he's basically asking us a question. He's saying, do you want any more proof that saving faith always produces works here? Let me show you. And he gives us two examples of people that his audience would have been very familiar with. Now, you remember who was the original audience? They were Jewish Christians who were scattered abroad. And these Jewish Christians would have been very familiar with the stories of Abraham and Rahab. And those are the stories that we're going to look into today. So, Simon, would you kick us off there with the story of Abraham, please? Sure, let's summarize Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. If you didn't grow up in church, you're so confused right now, and I'm sorry. Yes. I know, you have no idea what's going on. Because I don't think I even sang that song that much when I was a kid. But really? Oh, I was goodness. just in the wrong so circles, sad. you know? I was, I know, sad times. Such but I do song. know it. Classic so if, Sunday school song. Yeah. Exactly. We're grateful that we're able to share a little bit more about Abraham's life than uh, that one course. So... <laughs> So if you if you did your homework, okay, uh, you'll be familiar with this, okay. So if you were able to read that passage in Genesis 15, in Genesis 15, God promises to give Abraham, who was a very old man at this point, a son and descendants as many as the stars. The Bible tells us. Then there's this strange scene where animals are cut in half, and Abraham goes into a deep sleep. And a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch go between the animals that were cut in half. Now, we don't have time to go into all of this, but back in that day, this was a common custom. Instead of signing a dotted line on a contract to make a promise, two people would walk between animals that had been cut in half. They were saying, if I break my side of this deal, treat me like you have treated these animals. It was a very serious promise. The smoking fire pot and flaming torch represented God. And God is making this covenant. But you'll notice that Abraham didn't walk through. Abraham didn't have anything to do with the covenant being made. God was saying, I will uphold my side of this deal. Full stop. No questions asked. 
God promised to himself to keep this covenant. And we know that God cannot lie. So this promise is absolutely secure. So when James uh, quotes what comes at the end of this passage, where it says, uh, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. This means that Abraham believed in the promise that God was making. Abraham had true faith. And then we jump ahead to Genesis chapter 22. And in Genesis 22, this would have been at least 20 years after God had made the promise to Abraham. And remember, what was that promise? God had promised to give Abraham children as numerous as the stars. And Abraham was a really old man. So it was kind of a crazy thing to promise him. But when we get to Genesis 22, there was finally evidence that God was going to keep his promise. Because Abraham had had a son. Even though Abraham and his wife were much too old to have babies at that stage, God had given them a son. So there was evidence that God was going to keep his promise to Abraham, that Abraham would have children as numerous as the stars. But get to Genesis 22 and there's this massive plot twist, or it seems like there's going to be. Because God calls to Abraham and asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, on an altar. Now, side note, we know this is really strange and this seems like something that God would not do. Um, We don't have any time to jump into all of this explanation yet, but we will go into this on our social media page. So check that out if you want to know more about this whole thing and we'll discuss it there. Um, But for now, just trust us that it's okay that you can trust God. (laughs) Um, So in the end, Abraham obeys God and he goes up the mountain And he's about to sacrifice his son on the altar. But God stops him. He does not let Abraham sacrifice his son. um, And he provides a ram instead to offer. So the point that James is making here is that the act of Abraham was evidence of his belief in God's promise from Genesis 15. Abraham knew that God would provide offspring more numerous than the stars. He believed in God's promise. And he said, even if this only son of his was dead, then God could still keep his promise. He had total faith in God and God's promises. And that faith led to his action. And that action shows us that the faith that Abraham had in Genesis 15 was a saving faith. Now, do you remember our definition of righteousness? Because it says that that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So what does this mean? This righteousness that he was being given? It means that because Abraham had faith in God, he was credited as if he was as perfect as God himself. So when Abraham believed God, he had saving faith. Though Abraham was a sinner, God treated Abraham as if Abraham was as perfect as God himself. Abraham's work of offering Isaac as a sacrifice then was an outcome of the faith that he had in Genesis chapter 15. Yeah, I really loved that. When you're reading the story of Abraham, you see that before Abraham ever did anything, he just believed and God said it was credited to him as righteousness so he hadn't even done anything yet and God had given him his righteousness because of what he believed and then we saw that outcome and it's the steam with this other person that James mentions he talks about the story of someone named Rahab now again she was a real person um, but she was also a bit of a shady character at the start Um, the Bible tells us here and in her story in Joshua that she was a prostitute so 
definitely not walking in the perfection of God. But she had heard about the God of the Israelites. If you've read her story um, in those chapters, you would see that she had heard about his mighty works and that she believed he is the one true God. Let's listen to what she said or what she says in Joshua chapter two. Now, context, if you haven't read the verses, which pause and go read them. Um, But Rahab has just taken spies from Israel into her house to hide them as they've come to spy out the land before they go in and conquer the city. And this is what she says to these spies as she's hiding them. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. And then she goes on to list them. And she says, as soon, and verse 11, as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now, notice Rahab said that everybody in this city saw and knew that God was who he said he was, but only Rahab responded in this way. Only Rahab saw, knew these things, and therefore believed that God was the one he said he he was, and that this God that the Israelites served really was the one true God, because everybody else in the city refused to surrender to God except for Rahab. She had saving faith, even though she knew next to nothing about what it meant to follow God. She didn't know about making sacrifices. She didn't know about God's plan for salvation. She didn't know about the promise God had given to Abraham all those years before her. But through the things that she had heard about God and what he had done, he had led her to believe, to trust him. And a natural result or evidence of this faith that God had worked in her was that she now hid the Israelite spies who came to her house, God's people who needed her help. She didn't hide the spies in an effort to make herself right with God. The belief was already there. She didn't read it in a list of commandments. No one told her, in order to be saved, you must hide the spies in order to be saved. (laughs) I read that wrong, but you know what I mean. She believed in the one true God and she was saved. The natural outworking of that in her life was that she did the good work of hiding the spies because she had already believed who God was and what he said. So with these two stories in mind... What about verses 24 and 26? These are the verses that seem to contradict the rest of the scripture. So how does this work? Simon, can you help us out with this, please? Yeah, so James says in verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. He means here that the faith which justifies us or makes us right before God does not remain alone. It always produces works. Just like an apple seed produces a tree with apples, if it never grew apples, you would never know what kind of tree it was. And James re-emphasizes this truth again in verse 26. He says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. He's saying faith, true saving faith, will produce works. It will produce a change in your life that'll be evident that God is working in you. 
And we saw this in the stories of Abraham and Rahab, but maybe some a way to help us kind of understand this a bit more is to think of their stories in the opposite. So what if Abraham had never given up his son? It would show that he really didn't believe what God had promised him or that he felt he still had to control this promise from God somehow. He had to do something for it. Or what if Rahab hadn't hidden the spies? If she believed who God was, but she never acted on her belief, she would have been just like everybody else in that city of Jericho and would have been destroyed with everyone else in the city. It was because of the saving faith that God had placed in both of their hearts that they were made right before him. So that was the first thing. They were given God's righteousness then. And then because God had placed that faith in their heart, given them his righteousness, justified them, then their faith responded in the way they did. They Abraham was willing to give up his son. Rahab hid the spies. Their works or their actions showed what was already a reality in their hearts. That's really, really helpful, Hannah. Thanks for that explanation. Um, so we've looked at what the, the observation part, what does it say? We've looked at what does it mean? So how does it apply to us? What is God saying to me in all of this? Yeah, and hopefully we haven't lost you guys um, and all that we've looked at both today and also uh, on last uh, Friday's episode. We've uh, dived into a lot of different things. And even as we were preparing for these episodes, it's taken us hours to to sit down, to study this thing, uh, these things out, to work them out uh, in our own mind as we were preparing for this. And the reality is we still don't have all the answers, but we encourage you to look over these passages for yourselves and really think about them. There's so much uh, about uh, the Bible and about God that we can learn. And so we encourage you to not let questions uh, that you might have um, or questions that you can't answer or difficult passages stop you from pursuing God more. Ask for help. Study the Bible more. Pray and trust God and ask him by his spirit to help you to understand uh, these things in his word. And we hope that even as you uh, listen to these podcasts, that these are helpful for you as well as they are for us as we prepare them. So I hope you're encouraged that we are actually studying this together and that we are working through this together. Um, so yeah, just be encouraged in that. And if you need to re-listen to episodes, but keep pursuing God and uh, reading his word. Yeah, another application point maybe from today is when we look at the stories of Abraham and Rahab, we see that it really has nothing to do with us. Um, that is God who's the one who gives us faith. Um, like literally when we were reading this and studying this, it was just so evident that Abraham and Rahab, they really knew nothing about God's wonderful plan for salvation. They knew very little about who God was when they were chosen by him. And yet, God gave them this saving faith to trust him when they heard God and when they heard who he was. They trusted that he is and was the true God and they responded in obedience. So if you're not a Christian, we always want to make this clear that that opportunity is open to you today. Uh, again, this isn't meant to make you think as you're listening to this podcast, am I really saved? If you look at your life and you see struggles you have walking with God, this is more to say that if you're looking at your life and you're realizing that you've 
never really been bothered by sin before and and you're not really walking with God and you used to be okay with that. God is working in your heart to trust him. If you're noticing these things and you're being bothered by them and you want that to be different, God is working in you and you can respond by turning to God today. Um, you have heard the things of God and what Jesus has done for you and you can turn to him, thank him for what he's doing in your life and has done when Jesus came and died on the cross, when he lived that perfect life that none of us ever could or ever can. And when he came back to life and ask him to help you live a life that is pleasing to him by faith, the faith that he places in your heart. And if you have believed in Christ as your savior, a thing to point out and to remember in this verse, in this whole passage, is that James is not giving us a command to obey here, but instead he's giving us a doctrine to believe. So he's not telling the Christians to go out and do more good things to make sure you're really saved. What he's saying is, if you are truly saved, you will be able to tell because God will do a transforming work in your life. So if you are saved today, If you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone to save you from your sins, then you can rest. You can rejoice in the work that God is doing in your life because it's his work in your life and it's not yours. You can be encouraged to continue pursuing God and live a life that follows him with all of your heart because the good works in your life are God's work in you. It's because of him that you can truly love your brother and sister when they're driving you crazy. It's because of God working in you that you can honor your parents and obey them when you think that what they're asking you is really dumb. It's because of God's work in you that you can say no to pressures at school that you know are wrong. Because he is the one who gives you courage to stand. It's because of God's work in you that you can work your hardest in school even though you think it's boring or any other thing that you know that God is calling you to do, any sin that he is asking you to to let go of and, and turn away from, you can do that because of God's work in you. He is the one who gives you the power to believe and he is the one who gives you the power to obey so you can trust him. And also you can confess when you get it wrong because we all do. And because you are God's child, you are his. So when you get it wrong, just run to him. You're, you're still his. And you have his forgiveness and worship because of what Christ has done in you. And trust him to continue the work that he has begun in you. It reminds me of Philippians 1 and verse 6. It says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. When you were saved, when God called you to be his, that's when he started that good work in you. And today he is He is still doing that good work in you and he will be doing that good work in, in you until he takes you home. So you can rest in that and you can rejoice in that and you can use that to spur you on toward more good works today. So I hope that was really encouraging for you today as we looked at James um, chapter 2. And I think that's it for now. Um, Thank you so much for listening to the Connected Podcast. We want you to go and study the Bible on your own now. So go ahead and read James chapter 3 and try using these three questions we mentioned today as you study by yourself. So what does it say? What does it mean? And what is God saying to me? And then go ahead and connect with us on social media. Tell us what you're learning and how you are using the inductive method in your own Bible study. 
So we hope you enjoy joining us for this week's episode. Tune in next time. We'll be dropping new episodes every Monday and Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and if there's anywhere else you want to see us, go ahead and let us know. Connect with us on social media using our handle at connected.podcast. That's at connected.podcast. The Connected Podcast is brought to you by Child Evangelism Fellowship of Britain. Our opinions are our own, and they don't necessarily represent the organization or any others we may mention. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.